Welcome to the Training Design Podcast. 45 minutes-ish of practical tips and insights on training design with me, Terry Pierce of Untold Play. And me, Sheridan Webb of the Training Designers Club. This week's episode, we are taking a creative look at something that you may not have considered in training design before, and that is how to use drama in training. We've got Claire Samuels with us today from No I and Claire, who's an actor and trainer of more than 20 years who combines drama and learning and development. Welcome, Claire. Hello, Terry. Hi, Sheridan. Hi, Claire. Great to have you here. Nice to see you both, or hear you both, I should say. <laughs> Fantastic to have you here. Um, Claire, I've known you for quite a while, and I've seen you have uh, rooms of uh, trainers in stitches with your acting demonstrations and also get across some really good L&D points. But um, perhaps some of our listeners could benefit from uh, understanding a little bit more about what you do. Could you tell us a little bit about the work that you do with actors in learning and development? Well, thanks, Terry. That's very kind. <laughs> um, and I didn't even pay you to say it, so cheers <laughs> for that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we use actors in, in learning and development in many different ways. And it's something I've been passionate about and been doing for, as you say, over 20 years now. And what I love about it is how it can really, A, bring training and bring the learning to life. And also it can help the people that are watching the actors have a real um, emotional moment and really start to connect with what's going on. And what I mean by that is what we often do is we hold a mirror up to the learners in the room and reflect the behaviours that we want to change through the drama-based scenarios. So what we've been doing recently is working with an organisation that's a very command and control culture. They're wanting to move towards a culture that's much more coaching. And so what we did with the training intervention that we provided for them, when they turned up in the morning, the very first thing we showed them was a scenario between two actors where the manager was being very command and control and you could physically see the impact that that was having on the other character. And when people start to think, gosh, yeah, I do that and now I can see why it's perhaps not the best way to go and they can see the emotional impact it's having, people have an emotional reaction and then they want to actually change their behaviour. So that's really, really useful. We don't go in and say, this is what you need to do. We show them what's going on and then they get that connection themselves. Yeah, I think that's really, really powerful, isn't it? Because I think a lot of when we have difficult um, topics, when, we, when we're covering maybe performance management or culture change, as you say, it's very difficult, I think, sometimes for people to see the behaviour in themselves that they need to change. And there's often quite a reluctance to admit that they may not be doing things as well as they could. Um, so to actually take it away from them, to deflect it from them and say, look, we're not talking about you, we're talking about this person here, um, perhaps makes it a lot easier for them to open up and open their minds as well as to those behaviours that they perhaps need to give some consideration to. Um, you're absolutely right, Sheridan. And is it really interesting that you say that? I've spent the last year doing some research uh, with a psychiatrist who works on Harley Street. And he backs up exactly what you just said. He says that the way that people can most palatably digest something that they're not very comfortable with is A, to see it happening through somebody else, but also to do it through the element of play. And of course, I also bring humour and comedy and fun into all of the training that we do. So if we can make it slightly humorous as well, then it's far more easy and more palatably digestible for those people that are, that are watching. Yeah, 
I think that's absolutely great. I love a sense of play and fun in the classroom uh, or in the learning environment. And I think people often do get that in role play and in acting when they're, they're taking on roles, especially if you build that in. I wonder, you talked a lot about showing them the behavior. What, what, what about the work that you do with people when you uh, are role playing with them, with, with the people directly? Tell us a little bit about how you work then. Yeah, brilliant, Harry. So the very first thing, and I think I learned this about 15 years ago, when I was probably in my naivety, I stood up, right, who wants to do some role play? <laughs> don't um, call it role play. Don't call it role play. <laughs> and I was living up north then. Yeah, exactly, Sheridan. Don't call it role play. Um, and I very quickly learned that, which was lovely. So I call it real play. And the reason I call it real play is because I will be doing the acting. I trained as an actor. I still work in the theatre. I still do the odd um, TV ad. So I've still got my hand in there. And I'm really happy to do the acting. The other person that I'm doing the real play with, they are just being themselves. And I think if we make that really clear, they're just doing what they would do when they are talking to their people. Uh, that makes it much um, more enjoyable um, experience for them. So we call it real play. A lot of organisations as well call it skills practice. Mm -hmm. So if we were doing a, a workshop on giving feedback, we show them at the beginning how feedback is uh, given um, poorly and it hasn't worked. We hear from the person that's received the feedback and we hear that they're not feeling great and we hear what they're going to do as a result of having that poor conversation. And then we'll talk about the skills and we'll talk about a model that we can use in order to give feedback and we talk about how it can land. And then what we will do is we may well do what we call forum theatre, which is where they get to direct the actor playing the manager and say, well, this is how you need to approach it. These are the words you need to say that you need to use this model so that they can see the scene played out in front of them to get a really good result. And then what we might do is we might go off into breakout rooms and each actor may go with two or three people. And then the, the participants get an opportunity to do their skills practice, to do their real play and say, okay, I need to give um, John some feedback about being late. Please, will you play John and let's give it a go. So then we'll act that out. They'll use the new skills we've talked about. They'll follow the process or the model that we've introduced. We'll run the scene and then the actor will give feedback as to how it felt to be on the receiving end of John. We'll talk about body language, tone of voice, and we'll talk about the words that John used and how effectively he did or didn't use that process. And what's great about that is there's no script to follow. We are literally going wherever the conversation takes us, which is really lovely. And that's why it is real play. And, and John is just being himself as if he's having a chat with one of his team. That's fantastic. And when I've seen that in action and been involved in that, that, that what you just said about being on the receiving end and being able to give feedback of how it felt to be John or whoever in that scenario is really powerful and something you can't really get anywhere else than a, by using an actor. So I think that's great. So Can I just ask something? Mm. Sorry. It was just about what you were saying there about um, whilst Terry is obviously massive into his gaming, I, I like, bizarrely, I quite like structure and order. Um, because then I think you can go off piste when you know exactly where the map is supposed to take you. you so what you were games. saying... <laughs> So what you were saying there, Claire, is about it's completely unscripted. We go where the um, where the conversation leads us, which I totally get, and I'm, I think it must be very, very powerful and very impactful. I'm just thinking back to some of my experiences when I am working on behalf of a client who like to know exactly what's going to be covered 
And what you were saying there just made me think about, oh, there's an element of risk there. What if we end up covering things that we shouldn't cover? What if we end up missing things that we should be covering? And, and you were almost talking like we, we don't need a, a facilitator as such. It's, it's like you guys can facilitate. So how would we rely on the design process to make sure that we've, we're hitting all the big things that we need to hit without restricting you guys too much? So allowing you that improv but within a, a very specific guideline, I suppose. Probably the best question I've ever been asked, Sheridan. <laughs> Sorry, um, it was a bit long. <laughs> that was brilliant. I love, your, I love your thought process. It is a brilliant question. And I think the answer to that is every single learning objective, every single thing we need to hit and every single point we need to cover will all go into the scenario at the top of the scene or it will go into a monologue that the actor recites when he's saying how it felt to be on the receiving end of that poor piece of feedback at the beginning. And whatever's going on in the organisation that the client wants us to bring out, we will put in that scene or in the monologue so that when we are then facilitating with the participants, we can say, so what did Mary say about this? What did they say? What were they feeling? And then those points will come out. In right. terms of in terms of not going um, you know off script too much, what's really lovely is we will go through with the clients the models that they want us to deliver. So, for example, if it was giving feedback, we often use that very simple, beautiful aid model, the AID action impact do. So, when we're doing those breakout rooms with the participants, we will get them to practice the aid specifically. So they might say to John something around, um, I noticed you were late three times in the last week. The impact was the rest of the team had to work half an hour late and were frustrated with that. What I'd love you to do differently is to be here on time. What are your thoughts on that? And so where it might go off shift is, it, is when we say, what are your thoughts on that? And then we start to hear about, well, the bus is late and there's traffic and everything else. However, the bit that the client wanted us to practice was the aid model. And also what we're then doing, Sheridan, is beautifully going into coaching so we can then talk to the participants about that lovely coaching technique to start to listen about the roadworks and then what do we do with it. Okay. So the, the real detailed design is in setting up those scenarios and making sure that if you're not involved in the initial briefing, which I guess sometimes you would be and you, sometimes you wouldn't be, it's just being really clear about the objectives and the main models or content that we want to be focusing on. So it's, yeah, lots of detail up front and then trust you to stick to um, pointers, I suppose, and being clear what those pointers are. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You're absolutely right. And it's such a skill to be able to get those learning points into the scenes or monologues for the actors where it feels really, really natural. So um, you're absolutely right. And it's lovely, Sheridan, because all the points that need to be covered, the participants can see it and hear it, and they're the people that will draw it out. So we're not even going in with a PowerPoint saying, right, these are the 10 things we're going to cover today. One to 10, write it in your book, and we'll make sure we've ticked the box by four o'clock, 3.30 if you're lucky. You can have a shorter lunch, chicken goujons were nice. <laughs> you know, all of that. We're actually going, here's a scene, watch it. I always start my sessions with, have a look at this. And they watch it, and we do the beautiful, what was going on there? How's this similar to your organisation? Or, you know, tell me, how were those people feeling? What would you do if you were John? And so it's all of that lovely, lovely engagement. 
and it might look like it's a huge amount of fun and we've had some lovely learns at the end of the day but actually there's been a huge amount of detail and process that's gone into the design and lots of order and structure Sheridan that'll keep you happy <laughs> when I've uh, when I've designed for actors and I, and I had have had some some really good experiences where I've been able to make it a bit of an iterative process of designing something seeing how it works and adjusting it on an ongoing basis and what I've uh, what I've found uh, the actors seem to really appreciate and seem to work really well with uh, in terms of the, the kind of uh, feedback and, and evaluation of the program is is exactly as you're saying there Claire in terms of kind of trusting the actors but also making it really clear where the where their areas of freedom are and where their areas of responsibility are you know okay here go to town this is this is your chance to to just get into the role and do whatever. Here we need you to ask questions about this this and this if you're asking questions, or even the role of of saying well you, you, as an actor we're also going to ask, be asking you to do a little bit of a coaching discussion afterwards, and making that clear, or not you, you you're just here to act. The facilitator will do the coaching, but be, be really clear on, on all of that as as part of the design. Does that does that sound right to you, Claire? One hundred percent, Terry. Yes, absolutely. And again. There are actors that have spent 20 years in learning and development. They still do acting and yet they've got their CIPD. They've done their transaction analysis. Um, we just did SDI total the other day. You know, we've all got seven or eight really good L&D qualifications so that when we are giving the feedback or when we're doing a coaching session, you know, we've all done a coaching certificate. We've all got those skills as well as the performance skills and the humor skills. It's particularly when you're doing things like assessment centres and um, particularly around recruitment where there are specific questions that we need to ask the candidates and if we don't ask them they could um, you know they could be at a disadvantage or an advantage if we don't ask then clearly it's a little bit more scripted but as you say sometimes you can say all right my friend there's three minutes we just want everybody to laugh get them engaged other times it's okay team you need to really stick to this script because we've got to get the these particular questions out right i'm seeing a lot of parallels terry between um when we talked about storytelling as well and how mm. you said that, you know we could start with the story which is you know what i'm hearing here is this is a this is a story in 3d isn't it mm. Mm. yeah i've seen that work really powerfully when working with actors definitely yeah mm. Claire, have you got some uh, horror stories or uh, some success stories in terms of the design specifically? Have you, have you ever had people design for you and design a session for you and it's, it's, it's made your life much more difficult or much easier in terms of the way that the session's designed? I think a couple of times there have been occasions where a training consultancy have thought, oh, brilliant, let's bring in an actor in in the afternoon and we will we really want to spice things up we want to do something a bit different let's get a couple of actors in so the train and, and we've had no input whatsoever in the design so it's been very much the train train has done lots of um training in the morning around models then they want us to to do a scene in the afternoon and it might be some forum theater which we talked about earlier and if the trainer or the training organization has not worked with actors before and they are facilitating it and it hasn't been designed, then it can, uh, it can really fall on its face. So, for example, the actors might do a scene that they've been asked to do 
And then rather than spend 15, 20 minutes dissecting the scene and really saying what went on there, how were they feeling? Why do you think they said that? What do you think the background might be? What sort of questions were they asking? How do you know she wasn't listening? All of that. I've seen trainers that don't really understand the benefit of using actors or think they're there for a bit of entertainment. Go, oh, well, that was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> well, Colin's really, he's really annoyed today, isn't he? So anyway, well, there were the actors. Okay, back you can go out there. There's a nice coffee machine. Get back to your Guardian <laughs> crossword and reading the stage <laughs> newspaper. Uh, that was 2003. Um, and, and, then, and, then, and then that's it. And you kind of think, wow, that, that's just such a beautiful missed opportunity. So um, I think when you are, one is using actors, there has to be a lot of care and thought around the design stage. Mm. And I know one, uh, one particular occasion where it did go brilliantly was for a massive utility company. And we did sort of a two-year rollout for them. And we spent two or three weeks, there was a whole group of us, coming up with ideas, having brainstorming, how could we use that time really, really effectively? And we did all sorts of things, so much so that um, every venue had a, a hotel with a swimming pool and gym attached. And the way we started it out, it was a sales course that we were doing for this utility company. And we started it out with, um, I'd be dressed up as Jane and gym gear with the local logo on from the hotel. And I'd come in and say, well, just because you've got this room for 10 minutes, I'm just going to just sell to you what's going on at the gym. And then I'll do a whole sales pitch. <laughs> But because you all live local, you all get 30% off. And here's a picture of the swimming pool. And it was terrible, terrible sales. And it was getting them all riled up. <laughs> and, and of course, because we were wanting that organization to move from a spray and pray culture into a consultative sales culture. So we just um, reflected it through these characters. But a couple of times, because this character, Jane, was quite rude to the trainer, saying, just sit yourself down, Peter. Sit down, Peter. I'll only be 10 minutes. This is my bit. You've got a discount on the room if I could come and do my sales pitch. So I don't know what. There'll be some extra, you know, pie for you at lunch, Peter. Don't you worry. And then, then a couple of times, delegates would get up and almost try and protect the trainer. <laughs> try and duck me out. Say, look, just can you get out, please? This is our time. And then the trainer would have to work for about an hour and say with them, oh God, what was going on there? And then we'll start to subtly say once Jane had left, how do you think she did? And then they'd get to the stage where the trainer would say, do you know what? I know it's a bit cheeky, but I think we need to give Jane some feedback. What do you think? And then we'd send somebody off to go and find Jane and we'd have it all set up with reception that somebody would come and say, can you get the girl from the gym? So then they'd say, could you get Jane? Then I'd appear, I'd have to walk back into the training room and then they'd say, right, we've got some feedback. And we'd have to say, okay, what did I do wrong? Don't you want to buy? And then there'd be a big reveal, sort of 10 or 15 minutes after that. Um, and it just went down an absolute treat. <laughs> and then for the next two days, everybody, whenever they were been giving a sales um, tip or some advice around selling, they would always relate it back to Jane. Um, so it mm. gives them something beautiful to hang it on. I mean, that's yeah. very much, I'm Terry, I'm sure you'll expand on this point. Um, it's very much about that user experience, isn't it? And it's about, that is about starting with the experience and giving us a shared experience to hang learning on for the rest of the, of the time. Yeah, so, I just written down, I just noted down the word memorable. Yeah, you're creating that memorable experience that people are, are going to talk about and that's going to enable them to access all those memories because they uh, of the learning because they remember the experience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And just on that, Terry, I mean, you'll have loads of ideas with your gamification. And I know we're going to have lots of conversations, the three of us offline. 
But another great example of just that memorable bit is there was a, a conference we were doing for a, an organization and it was a health and safety conference and they'd had lots and lots of toolbox talks and all sorts of things before the conference. So everybody was very up on the um, health and safety. And then we set up some actors as people were going into the hotel where the conference was, where everything about health and safety was being breached. There was ladders, there was people up ladders. We were painting, there was people smoking up there, you know, everything that you shouldn't <laughs> be doing. And not one person said to us, oh, can, you, can you not do that? Or shouldn't you be doing that? And the whole the whole training that they'd been having up until this conference was all about how being bold, being brave, challenging people when health and safety is not happening. And then what we did halfway through the conference was we'd videoed it all. And then the actors were back with the laptops, putting it all onto video. And then the MD came on and said, right team, how are you getting on with your be bold, be brave? Have a look at this. And then show the video of us all up ladders, shouting and smoking and painting and, and not doing health and safety. And then said, um, and, and videoed all the people going in and not challenging it. Um, so, of course, that was very, very memorable. And everybody went away from the conference going, right, next time someone is doing something, I will challenge it. Mm. Both of those examples really kind of blurring the line between when are we doing an activity and when are we not doing an activity, mm. or the line between acting and reality, uh, which sounds really, really uh, full of energy and really, really fun. Yeah, definitely. But it also links to um, conversations that we've had, Terry, about, you know, learning we don't need to be restricted to the to the training room or to one mm. session anymore i mean certainly the one thing as we've moved onto a more blended approach is you know it, we don't have to be restricted by being in one physical location anymore so you know well, why not start the learning before the formal event actually begins you know and possibly even continue it afterwards i mean i don't know if that's ever something that could be done but i really like the idea of giving those characters feedback and then, you know, even sort of hearing from them a week later, well, I did what you said and <laughs> this is what happened. And it's, I mean, we talked a little bit about it when we talked about case studies as well, about how we really get to know these people and we get to care about them and we wonder what happened, mm. which makes it a much more impactful learning experience. Mm. Absolutely, Sheridan. You're, you're, again, you're spot on. One of our mutual um, colleagues and friends Christine I'm doing some work with her at the moment and we're particularly bringing some of those case studies to life through the characters and the characters are talking to camera and say this is what this is what I'm going to do today then we see what they did that day where the incidents happened that Christine helps people train on and then we see two weeks later what happened and a year later um, which is just wonderful for designers like yourself mm. to be able to play with time mm. yeah mm. yeah Actually, what Sharon's just said there makes me think about uh, another thing which I really wanted to ask you about today, Claire, which is around the whole shift to virtual, which everyone is really undergoing at the moment, and how that's worked for you in terms of uh, using actors, you know, moving uh, a lot of what you've done, you've talked about, you know, using face-to-face -face sessions, using breakout rooms. How's that worked out for you in terms of uh, doing a lot of this stuff more virtually recently? Well, Terry, I've learned more in the last three months about <laughs> Zoom and tech than I've learned in the 43 years of being on this planet. Um, and if you'd have asked me four months ago, Terry, so we're in summer now, 2020. If you'd have asked me in March, February, March, 2020, I'd have said, oh, no, Terry, can't do it. I can't mm. do virtual. It's all about the live performance, darling. It's all about <laughs> being in the room and feeling the vibe and the energy, getting the feedback and the laughter. Uh, and actually, what has surprised me beyond belief is how well it has worked in this medium. So when you've got amazing tech, we do a lot of our work over Zoom. I know there's other brilliant platforms out there, WebEx and Teams and all sorts. 
but with with the zoom in particular that i'm familiar with where it works beautifully is we can we can show a scene which is great with with myself and another actor in a different location show that via zoom everyone turns their camera off and puts it on speaker view so you can just see the two actors chatting and concentrate on on them and we do some work around what we've seen we show some models and then what we do after a break is we can use those brilliant breakout rooms. And I had one last week. I was working for a big pharma company. I had six actors, all in different areas of the country, in six breakout rooms, all with three learners each because we had 18 delegates on the programme. And they all had an hour so in each room. So each delegate had 20 minutes to practice their scenario and do their real play with the actor. And it worked a treat, Terry. Mm. But I wouldn't have had the, I wouldn't have had the foresight and creativity to have known that. It's just happened because of the pandemic. And now all of my work at the moment is online. I've got some lovely face-to-face -face conferences that have been postponed till next year. And we'll have to wait and see to whether we do the face-to-face -face again or not. But I'm even starting to think about how I can get assessment centres and put those online as well. So that when candidates are having their interviews, they can still have an actor for an assessment centre. And we do it through this tech. Um, so mm. I've been so surprised, pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. I mean, pleasantly is not a strong enough word. Um, I've been like bowled over and overwhelmed with how brilliant it works. Fantastic. I mean, actually, so one of the things that we talked about before we started recording, Claire, is, is the fact that in some ways, um, the fact that you're able to do this virtually actually makes it more accessible to people, I think, because, um, you know, with my practical head on, when you start inviting people to come from all over the country to a hotel, um, you're paying for a facilitator, then you're paying for an actor and all of their expenses, you know, it, it, it really starts to add up very, very quickly. Whereas the fact if we can do things virtually, it's actually much more cost effective, I would think, to say, right, you know, our program is now in three parts and one part is going to be, we're going to do some real play, we're going to work with real people you're going to practice your skills in a real situation um, because we can break it down because we haven't got all those expenses um, I think it, it can really work for people that perhaps hadn't have considered it before yeah you're absolutely mm. right I 100% agree mm. yeah I could definitely see that being the case I've definitely been involved in design projects with actors where I've had to pay for a day of an actor's time or well, not me personally always but the, the organization <laughs> had to pay for a day of an actor's time and therefore you're in this thing of Right, we were only ideally maybe we'd use them for an hour or two here or there, but we've got to make maximize that value or have someone sitting around not really, you know, uh, earning their keep as it were. Um, but I guess if you can just uh, do it virtually, then you can you can be a bit more precise about when and where it's needed. Yeah, yeah you're absolutely right, Terry. That reminds me, I've probably spent more time standing outside hotel room doors, conference facility mm. doors, like with peeking through, waiting for my moment to go on um, than most people have. <laughs> yeah, sure. And every day was a different hotel and a different hotel. And the amount of people that walk past going, you're right, love, can I help you? <laughs> do you need a chair? Uh, do you need a room? I mean, nobody ever said that. Um, but um, yes, Terry, you're absolutely right. Mm. Whereas now we can just say, um, Fred, can you be free, please, between three and a half, three, enter the waiting room at five to three, come and do your beautiful session. So it's much more um, cost effective, as you say. Mm. Yeah, I'm, accessible. I'm loving the way accessible, in this accessible that's the word Jerry. yeah you're full is. of it you two you've got all the 
I'm loving the way that so far in this conversation we're, we're introducing lots of different ways to use actors. I think that could be quite inspiring to people who are listening about, okay, I could use them in this way or that might spark other ideas. I'd just like to, to throw one of my own in in terms of some of the ways that I've used actors in sessions that I've designed for and, and the one way, in fact, that's gotten consistently the best response or the best reaction was uh, in performance management sessions where we've built a section where the individual briefs the actor and says okay i've got someone working for me joe is working for me and joe is like this joe's got this performance problem this is how she behaves this is how she talks about x y or z if you, if you tell her you know you, you you've got to shake your ideas up this is how she responds all this again briefs the actor you know not not in in too much depth you know because you've got to remember it all and you've got to you've got to be able to bring it to life but for you know for a few minutes um, and then, you know, consistently with good actors, you know, being able to let them roll with that and then play Joe and have the, the delegate, the learner come back and say, wow, that they completely brought Joe to life. And they really gave me a chance to try my skills, not just on somebody, but on somebody really relevant who I'm now going to be able to say, well, yeah, I messed that up, but I'm not going to do it that way when I speak to the real Joe, you know. Uh, is that is that is that something if you done similar to that, Claire? Or? Yeah, absolutely, Terry. One hundred percent, as you say. And sometimes what we'll do is part of their pre-work before they come on the course, we might send them a, what we call a character brief and say, if you were to have a conversation with somebody um, on your team that you want that you've already had it and you want it to be better or something that you're not looking forward to having because it's going to be difficult, and um, write down what's the conversation about. Tell us about the character. What's their personality style like? What sort of things do they say? And when do they get emotional? Talk me through how they might greet all of that. Um, and yes, that's wonderful. One of my favourite pieces of feedback, apart from the client saying you hit all the objectives and it was amazing, but the personal piece and the funny thing, but you know, um, the personal bit is um, when they say, oh, she just got us. And I get that mm. feedback pretty much every time I, I work with anyone. Claire just got us. We gave her the character and she got it because that's what we need to do. And what we need to remember, Terry, and you were almost alluding to it before when you said you can go to town. We need to remember as actors when we're on the stage and we, people are paying for us to, go, to come to the theatre. We are that character. and We can be that part. And we do. We are, it's all about us then um, and the other people on the stage when we're doing this work, that's what a lot of actors forget. It's not about us anymore. It's actually about the learner. And it's a bit of a mindset shift for some actors. And we often find the best actors to do corporate work are the actors that aren't doing that much TV and act, uh, theatre acting mm. all the time because they, get, they start to do it three or four times a week. They start to do their transaction analysis certificate. They start to go on a year's coaching programme. They start to really learn um, about management development and learn about the skills that one needs in order to be a brilliant communicator as well as being a brilliant actor. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good call. Definitely the, the best actors I've worked with are the ones who, who, who appreciate that and appreciate the environment and some of the, some of the, the very, very few, I have to say, but the very, very few bad experiences I've had working with the designer actors is when that they have kind of played it more like the theatre, as you say. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, a very, it's all about a, them. Yeah, yeah, it's a very different, um, it's a very different skill set actually, which is interesting mm. in itself. It reminds me, listening to you, it, um, before all this, actually before we had kids, to be honest, and my <laughs> eldest is 16 now, um, because we don't have babysitters, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> but we, um, we loved going on murder mystery weekends. 
Um, and a little plug here for Joy Swift's original Murder <laughs> Mystery Weekends. Um, the actors, who are not professional actors, um, they're in character for 48 hours. You can meet them in boots in the town and they are still that character. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it's so amazing yeah. to, to be able to keep in that. So, because obviously they have their story in their mind, so they can't release clues at the wrong mm -hmm. time, but they've equally got to respond to you as a human being. Um, and it's an incredible skill for yeah. someone to be able to maintain this character whilst still carrying the, the story or the points that they need to carry. It's, uh, it's not something that everybody could do. Yeah, mm. it's brilliant, that show. I love it. I love it. Sounds really good. Yeah, it is. Thoroughly recommend it. And the kids are just about old enough for us to leave them overnight now. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Are there any, um, Clara, are there any non-obvious kind of needs that training designers should think about that actors might have if they're coming to a training session or, or to a virtual training session? Any, anything that they might forget about that they should really keep in mind to make sure the actors can do their job well? I think that it is important for the actor to know specifically, really specifically, what it is that the designer wants the participants to get as a result of this particular session. Most, well, all the actors I work with are very, very familiar with insights or social styles, SDI. Most of them know MBTI, um, is, but they all know the basics. So it's very um, useful if the designers can say, that character is definitely an analytical. Mm. Because automatically then the actor will know, well, I need to pause more, I need to think more, I need to reflect, I probably need to bring my volume down, I need to bring my body language down, I need to give not so um, much serious eye contact, I'll probably look down a little bit. Um, you know, we know, we know, you know, 50 or 60 basic things for each of the personality styles that the actors can then portray. So I think that's very useful. And I think, as you said, Terry, be very, very specific and uh, uh, Sheridan mentioned earlier, be very specific about how much they need to stick to this script and brief. And if, there is a, if there's a bit of room for some humour or there's a bit of room for a good learning point, do you want the actor to bring that in or do you want them literally to be your puppet, which is absolutely fine. Some clients want something, some others don't. Um, it's being very clear with the actor about that. So I think the more clarity, the better. And finally, what actors love is they love bullet points rather than an actual script that they have to learn verbatim. Yeah. If there is stuff that they do have to learn verbatim, they'll often come back and say, well, what, another half day's pay? <laughs> Probably not in that tone of voice. Um, but they, they get very, very edgy. Not me or my team, obviously, but actors in general get very edgy if there's a lot to learn and they don't feel they're getting um, monetary value for that. That's understandable. Actually, Sheridan mentioned the, uh, the the money question earlier, and certainly, I my, my experience is that yeah, you know, if you are hiring actors, multiple actors, if you're hiring uh, a trainer or facilitator as well as multiple actors, that's all going to increase the cost. Uh, but really, personally, I feel like it shouldn't really be about the cost; it should be about the value. And for me, some of the kind of power that I've seen come out of sessions using actors um, has really proved. 
the value but do you have any you have any thoughts on that that could really illustrate the value to try and help people sell the idea of of yeah we should pay out the extra to use the actor sometimes I mean, absolutely i mean it is, as you say terry it's all about the value and i often say you know we've got two choices here and it's entirely up to you you're the budget holders um, you can have a lovely one, two day, half a day program where your people can um, learn the skills by an expert facilitator and there's expert design and that's great. They've got the skills, they've got the workbook um, and that's great. They've got them. We can do that or you can get your people to have an absolute um, experience and feel what it's like to either use the skills or feel what it's like to see people on the receiving end of whatever it is we're trying to do, the receiving end of it being done well and the receiving end of it being done badly so that people can have a, an emotional experience and a feeling about it. We can have half a day with people where we're explaining and discussing and showing them the new behaviours and the new way forward. We can do that through talking to them and through lots of other ways or we can get actors to show them and put them on the receiving end of that behavior so they know what it feels like and it's when you get that connection where they feel it that i think there's some real room for people to want to change mm. yeah well said uh, as you say i think it's it's very very powerful and it's i think in terms of value and cost it's perhaps that question isn't it it's it's long-term value. I think short-term, obviously, it's more expensive. But how many organisations have we all worked in where we seem to be doing a performance management programme every two years because people have forgotten. And, okay, I know there's churn in the business. Um, I get that. So you're always going to have to redo things at some point. But I think if something really lives with you and really makes that impact, you perhaps wouldn't have to do a management development program every two years. You may only have to do it every five years. Um, so that's the other way to look at it, isn't it? You're absolutely right, Sheridan. And as I said, I've been doing this 20 years. The amount of times I've come across people, because it's quite a small industry, that is in the corporate world. I'm sure it is. And I come across people, delegates, and they go, oh, my God, you were lucid 10 years ago. <laughs> I've had nightmares about you ever since. <laughs> um, but I've always remembered that this is the way to do this. And, and it is so memorable for them when they're doing that. And a lot of new clients that I talk to, HR directors, I say, you know, what are your thoughts? What's your experience with using actors? And I said, well, I used it 15 years ago. It was for an interview. And I'll still remember the actor that was sat in yeah. front of me. And to get an HR director saying that to you is holding the budget strings. They've sold it for you, really. Because you, you, then it's like, well, yeah, you're still remembering it 15 years on. You're still using that skill 15 years on. Why wouldn't you want actors to come in now and, mm. and do the same for your people? And they go, oh, yeah. Yeah. It strikes me as well that, um, I mean, most of my professional life has been designing training for other facilitators to deliver for all sorts of reasons that I've, I've talked about on a previous episode. Um, and obviously the relationship between designer and facilitator is key. You need to trust one another and you need to understand one another. And it strikes me that when you add the actor into that mix, it's a three-way relationship. Um, and again, that, that trust needs to be there. That mutual understanding needs to be there. Um, and I think as well, the boundaries. So it's almost, it, it is understanding the role and the things that everyone brings. So this is what I bring to the party. And then I trust you to do the next bit. 
um, and particularly when you are I mean as a designer I'm often not in the room but to understand the roles that the facilitator and the actor will play and um, when do I step up when do I step back um, I think is and, and that's all part of the design process um, you know it, it's the inherent design of the of the event or the program isn't it yeah yes absolutely 100% you're absolutely right and that trust is so important and again it's lovely when you, you may have a trainer and a designer and an actor that have all worked together a lot so you go brilliant I'm going to put that team together on this project yeah. because they know like trust understand each other's brilliant skills and know each other's personality types so they can communicate beautifully with one another and you know whatever the three of them do is going to be a great success because they've got that trust so you're absolutely right Sheridan. Mm. So, yeah, I think um, as you do get to build those relationships, it's like when I'm designing and I know who the facilitator is, um, I know that I maybe don't have to design one part in as much detail um, as I perhaps do other parts, because I know that if I just write a couple of sentences, we both know exactly what's going to be covered. And I guess it's the same situation, isn't it? When you get that working relationship with somebody, like you said, you get your own shortcuts. So you say this person is a, is a driver, um, and that's all they need to say. So, okay, we'll, we've got the mannerisms. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly that. The other thing I was really keen to talk about while we've got Claire here is uh, moving it out a little bit from thinking about training design to thinking about learning design. And you alluded to this, Sheridan, when you talked about uh, pre-course and post-course and mm. programs. Uh, so I was just wondering, Claire, what, what kind of experience or whether you had any thoughts about uh, different ways apart from just doing it within the confines of a training session whether that's virtual or not so for instance one thing that i'd love to do and and, and i think i've mentioned this to you before and maybe it's something we'll collaborate on in the future is uh, a choose your own adventure kind of video based thing where okay click on hyperlink one to say this to dave and click on hyperlink two to say this to dave and then you've got two different videos of dave's responses so that's just one example but is there anything else that you've thought of or come across in terms of using actors other than just in, in a kind of training session type environment. And that's brilliant what you just said, uh, Terry. There's so much mileage in that. We must collaborate on it. It's brilliant. People love that. I do quite a lot of um, those online videos where I think I've sent you some, where what would you say to this person now? Would you say A, a B or C? And then you have the, the different endings, those branch videos. People love them and they can press the screen themselves and choose what happens to John. In terms of other things that we can do with actors, it's such a brilliant question. And what I, put, I know has worked brilliantly in the past, and I've talked about it, and I want to talk to you guys about how we might be able to do it online. But these assessment centres are absolutely superb with actors. So we've done that for recruitment. Uh, lots of organisations have wanted to... Um, have wanted to assess their managers to see whether or not they're ready for promotion. I've done a lot for the home office that they're massive on at the public sector, these assessment centers uh, for people to go, um, you know, to move from a grade seven, for example. Um, and they are brilliant. They're really, really good. Um, particularly what I love to do as well as the training room is to do conferences and to do a, maybe a 60 minute session. And what I particularly love to do is to reflect as we've talked about what's going on within the organization. And I've got a character who's a tea lady. And what I've done, she's called Edna. She's from somewhere non-specific on the Yorkshire Lancashire border. Um, <laughs> and God love her. And um, what I will have done is I'll have spent a couple of days in that organisation and I'll have looked around the buildings and I'll have met a few people and I'll have really observed what's going on. So I've got all the tiny, tiny things, which for me are the most valuable things, particularly in terms of comedy. Um, and learning for a big conference 
So I've seen what's going on. I've seen the Damien and accounts always ask that, uh, you know, always as a peppermint tea from the machine. Um, I can see that Donna on reception's always got beautiful nails, whatever day it is. I can see that the head of sales, um, Jonathan's never in, he's always on the golf course, whatever it is. So I'll pick all of that information up. And then when Edna goes at the conference to do a little character, and it might be about values, it might be about culture, whatever, she comes on with her tea trolley and will say, oh, I don't know if any of you know, sis, but I was in your organisation last week. Oh, Donna's nails are still looking very nice. I tried to get hold of Jonathan, but he was on the golf course. And then you can repeat <laughs> those 50 things that you know. And you seriously, you've got 100, 200, however many people in front of you in bits of laughter. Or fits even, I'm not sure you can have a bit. But in fits of love going, how does she know? How does she know? And then whatever the message of the conference is, Edna can start to talk about that. What's really nice when I've done values before, I've made the analogy of the values of the organization. I've made a cup of tea on the trolley um, in parallel to what their values are and how important making the right cup of tea is in terms of what that and, and things like that. Um, so it's just completely different. I don't know anybody else that's doing that. But it's a very, very different way of using actors, getting people entertained, relaxed, laughing, getting them then to see that Edna's been very funny. They're laughing one minute, but actually she's then showing them through the medium of making a cup of tea or whatever it is, the importance of integrity or the importance of transparency or the importance of loving the customer, or whatever it is that those values are of the organisation. I love that phrase, through the medium of making a cup of tea. I think we're going to have to try and make that into the, uh, into the strap line somehow for this episode. We'll have to, that's, that's its title. <laughs> Fantastic, Claire. I think there's some amazing stuff there for designers, for people who are putting together training and learning of any kind to think about how they're going to use with actors. Uh, I am just going to try and, because I think we're, we're kind of at the end of our time now, uh, although I'd love to talk more about it. I'm going to sum up some of the key things that I'm taking away uh, maybe you can add to Sheridan if you've got any others. Sure. I think there's a lot of stuff that we've talked about, about the power of actors, about the idea of holding a mirror up to people and their behaviours um, so that they can really experience and feel things rather than talking about them theoretically. Uh, then we talked about some really good ways to frame the whole venture in terms of talking about it as real play instead of role play and getting past people's fears. We had some really good stuff about uh, the... Definitely one of the biggest things for me, this idea of being really clear about what we want the actors to do and where their areas of freedom are uh, and making sure that we give them the right support and the right freedom and, and just make all of those areas really clear. Definitely a lot of stuff around what we could do wrong. So not consulting uh, and not making sure that the actors uh, and any trainers that are working with the actors, that whole three-way relationship, you know, that them just not being a good team that are, are interested are with each other. Uh, is where we can go wrong. Uh, had loads of different ideas about uh, creative ways to use actors from getting them to actually do the bad stuff and people don't even realise that it's actors and they should be picking up on it, like on the ladder, which I thought was great. Uh, definitely some really good stuff around uh, how this transfers to virtual and the idea that uh, we can be really focused and precise about how we use actors in the virtual environment and that can give us even more control sometimes when we're designing definitely some really good stuff around the needs of actors so uh, making sure that actors are really clear on what the participants need to get that they're familiar with any model that we use and that you give them some clue cues 
to help them bring the characters to life, particularly maybe using things like uh, insights or other models of behavior and character type. Uh, and definitely the number one thing actually from Claire, and I did write this down and underline it twice, which was uh, bullet points, bullet <laughs> points, not scripts, if possible. And then a little bit about value. Uh, I think it was really good uh, around just making uh, different ways to try and communicate the value of this and the power of it. Uh, and those two choices that, that you can do things in a normal way or really get them to experience it and feel it. Um, and then just a few ideas at the end there about other ways to use it in a wider learning context, uh, such as assessment centers, promotion centers, conferences, uh, and all that amazing stuff, which I'm going to remember uh, about Edna the Tea Lady. <laughs> so I don't know if I've forgotten anything that you wanted to take away in particular there, Sharon. Well, I've, I've ticked off pretty much everything that I noted down as well. I mean, just to reiterate for, for, on the design side, I think from what Claire said, the detailed design comes up front. It's all about getting the scenarios right, getting the culture right, getting the learning points really, really clear. Um, because if we give that to the actor, then they are very clear about what they need to do and how they need to do it. Um, and then the only other thing is that struck me is that how this is an absolutely fabulous way to make virtual training incredibly memorable. I mean, with us living our lives on Zoom at the moment, I mean, to have something that actually connects with you emotionally must be a pretty rare thing. Um, so whilst we can design a really good, um, a really engaging virtual training session, and we've talked about that, this would just take it to the next level. Sounds that's it. <laughs> Sounds really good. Claire, did we mangle or miss anything? <laughs> You know, if I ever needed anybody to sum up anything, I'd just get you guys in. <laughs> You're the best summer offers I've ever met. That proves we've been listening, you see. Yeah, you're brilliant. <laughs> That's why you're so good at what you guys do. Yeah, cool, thank you. Oh. Well, it's been really, really great chatting to you, Claire, about acting and learning. We're going to do our standard thing now of staying into a second topic. So going into a second topic, which uh, I think Sheridan, you've, you've got a, a key idea here, but Claire, really do feel free to, uh, to jump in with your thoughts. Yeah, on this definitely. As well. Oh, um, thanks. Brilliant. Yeah. It's um, at, at time of recording, I am involved in an asynchronous conference, um, which is interesting. Um, so, you know, none of the sessions or so very few of the sessions are live. Most of them are on demand which in many ways is brilliant. So everyone's in different time zones. Everyone has different, you know, pulls on their time. You know, we, we, have, we have meetings and school runs for those that are doing that sort of thing. Um, so on the one hand, it's really, really good. On the other hand, what I found is it's easy to put off. Um, and I've, I wrote a blog about this um, two or three years ago about how the fact that, you know, you can get your, your YouTube video of your fitness instructor um, with all the best intentions. Um, but because they're there whenever you want them to be, you perhaps just keep putting it off. Whereas I am still going twice or even three times a week to my live virtual Zumba class because I know if I don't turn up at quarter seven, I've missed it. So I, my, my, my thoughts this time really i mean particularly in the situation that we're in with virtual and everything synchronous and asynchronous i think they're the they're the modern terms aren't they for on demand or live um pros and cons of it really is i i can definitely see both sides and i would just be interested in your views on it mm. i think there's a really interesting area to think about i think i'm gonna just completely fail to surprise you in where i go with my thoughts on that which is <laughs> that i'm gonna go straight to gamification with that actually, because <laughs> 
I'd be disappointed I, if you didn't. Well, actually, one of the one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest names in gamification, the moment you might have heard of, is Yukai Chow, and yeah. he writes about uh, his Octalysis framework. And actually, it's not really it came from games. It came from looking at why people game, play games, but it's not really about games or gamification. Really, it's about motivation. It's about why people do things rather than not do things and he's got eight core drives in that and i'm not going to talk you through the whole thing uh, but he's got eight drives eight it's a model of motivation really and it's got eight things and one of them is scarcity and urgency yeah um, and when there's no scarcity or urgency there's nothing that says if i don't do this now i might lose the opportunity then often people don't do stuff and that as soon as you were talking about you know thinking well i should do this sometime and i'm not versus the gym where actually if i don't do it now the session's gone yeah. That immediately popped into my head. So I think if you, I think there are definitely advantages to both, but I think that you've got to think about the disadvantages of both and you've got to try and build something into that disadvantage and say, okay, what is going to make people feel not just, yeah, I want to do it sometime, but I need to do it at a particular time, maybe now. Yeah. I mean, there, there is some scarcity built in that this conference is live for six weeks. So if I don't mm. do it in six weeks, I have missed the, I have missed my chance. Mm. Um, but I was also thinking about how in, in some, with, with some things, having learning material on demand is definitely the right thing to do. Mm. Um, so, you know, my printer breaks, I want to know how to fix it. Um, I don't want to wait, you know, till next week when someone's running a webinar on it, I, I need to know now. Mm. Um, whereas with perhaps with more developmental stuff, the stuff we don't need to do, but we're quite interested in doing, um, maybe the on-demand stuff isn't as effective. I don't know, Claire, if you've you know, done it, obviously you've attended live events. If you do any asynchronous stuff as well, you know, what are your views? Yeah, I, I did a course, six week course recently and they had every Wednesday, they had two live webinars, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And I think the first three Wednesdays, I wasn't working. I was working. So I, they'd obviously send you the recording. So I caught up with them all on the I think it was on a Friday night most nights. That still shows my life and not. <laughs> um, oh, they used to be very, very different, children. Um, so, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Didn't they, uh, from the Northwest, you and me on a Friday. Oh, night. used to be, used to be cocktails after work, stagger okay. home. And now, and now if I'm lucky, I'm in Tesco, you know. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, if I'm lucky, I'll do my catcher for my Wednesday's course. <laughs> And then I found that the next three Wednesdays, I didn't actually attend a live one. I'd got so mm. used to doing that Friday night uh, catch up that that's. So you got your own routine. So I'd got my own routine. Having said that, yesterday there was a two hour webinar, six to eight. And I thought, oh, I really don't want to do it two hours in the evening. I thought, no, I must do it because it's really important for my development. And I thought, if, it's, if after half an hour I've had enough, I'll turn it off. But it was very clever, the guy that was running it, because it was quite interactive. And he said early doors, look, if you don't want to stay for the two hours, that's fine. But please, will you go now? Um, and so I thought, oh, gosh, I better stay. And I'm really pleased <laughs> that I did stay. And it was very interesting. But I would never have done that two hours had I not have gone live. I would never, ever have done it. And I'm glad mm. I did do it. So mm. I think there are, there are, sorry to not be more helpful, Sheridan, but there are pros and cons to both. Mm. I think it's a good example. I, I wonder if maybe the answer is... Yeah, definitely the pros and cons both, and therefore there are times you're going to want to use the one that doesn't have the urgency, but maybe you can build in some urgency that isn't just whether you can do the session or not. Maybe it's mm. some bonus content. Maybe it's a discussion group that only happens at a certain time, and if you haven't watched the lesson by then, you can't take part in the discussion group. Or something else that means that, that you know, it, for those people where they don't want the urgency or they are going to commit to the work anyway, even without the urgency, that's fine, they can do it. 
but there is something that creates the, the urgency. Mm. It just made me think you know, as learning designers and the fact that we're all having to think a little bit more creatively now, mm. you know, we, 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 I don't think anyone now just thinks about writing a one day course anymore. Mm. I mean, we are having to think about all the different ways that we can help people to access learning. Um, and it was just something that I thought, you know, do we think about it enough? Um, I'm, so I'm certainly thinking about it more, um, whether this is going to be a standalone access at will um, mm. piece of learning or whether it's going to be a live facilitated event. But yeah, it's just about understanding when it's best to use them. And, and like I say, I think as long as we understand the pros and cons of each, so we're going into it with our eyes open, um, maybe, there's, maybe there isn't a, a best way of doing it. I don't know. Mm. More so, questions than answers with that one. <laughs> yeah. it's, good for, it's good food for thought. Have any of you got any comments? <laughs> Indeed. I, I do think it's going to be very specific to each audience in each situation, though. So it's about taking those principles. We've got some principles there and applying them using your design skills yeah. to, uh, to the situation. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's, uh, that's us out of time for this week. So it's been a great pleasure as always and particularly pleasurable to have Claire Samuels join us. Mm. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch, if you've got any comments at all about the podcast um, or just connect with us in any other way, we're delighted to hear from you. Um, you can, the easiest way to find us is if you search Facebook for the Training Design Podcast. Uh, make sure that you like the page. Um, all the episodes will be listed on there and we would love to see your comments. And you can contact us all individually. Um, we always love to hear um, what you're up to with your training design and any views that you have. The easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn. It's Sheridan Webb. There's not very many of us. Or you can join the Training Designers Club. If you just Google Training Designers Club, it will take you to the website where you can decide your level of membership. Terry, how can people reach you? I'd love for people to get in touch on LinkedIn. I'm Terry Pierce on LinkedIn, or you can check out untoldplay.com. And Claire? Yes, please do find me on LinkedIn, or as one of my characters would say, Dawn Morikamba, LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, do, do find me on LinkedIn. It's Claire Samuels, and there's no I in Claire. No I in Claire. No Got to remember that. <laughs> C-L-A-R-E, or go to the website, www.noiinclaire.co.uk. Thanks, Terry. Thanks, Sheridan. Been awesome seeing you and hearing you today. Oh, it's been great. And we'll, we'll put all those links in the show notes, obviously. So if you didn't get a chance to note them down, and I really do recommend that you check out some of the stuff that Claire's been doing. I mean, she put little short videos on YouTube, which are really, really high quality. And mm. I'm not just saying that because I know her. You know, I am a, I am a great skipper. I will look at something, I'll get a view, and then I will move on. I actually watch these videos through to the end. So the whole thing, um, the, the whole thing, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Fabulous. It's been great to have you on, Claire. Thank you. Thanks, Until bye. next time. Cheers. Yeah. Bye. Until